Do you aspire to become a responsible leader? How do you see yourself now as a young man? Learning from challenges is one thing, but getting opportunities is another. If you're a young man who wants to learn about personal growth, life lessons, and leadership, tune in to Essential 11, shaping leaders among leaders. Here we go. We got these guys logging in. Heck, so here's my confession, dude. I'll get you the official title of, of handsomest bald guy. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that I know. Jason, no offense, dude. Um, but every time I see Marcus, like I see posts and I'm like, I don't know, man, maybe I should do it. Like, I'm just, I kind of, I don't know. I got this spot right here. No, you got, you still got plenty of real estate. You're fine. Don't, all right, man. once I saw that mine wasn't coming back, I just leaned into it. I was like, all right, just let's go. Gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm looking leaning into this year. adversity. Yeah, for sure. How you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm great. Thank you for the uh, audio message yesterday. I, I like the uh, the introspection that went full circle. You're like, wait a minute, what does that say about me? If I'm, I, yeah, yeah, huh, I know. As I was talking it out, it's one of those things where I, I'm not the guy that like records something and then goes, ah, should I have said it? Not? No, I just send it. It, it is <laughs> whatever comes out. Dude, there, is what yeah. comes out. Yeah, that's exactly I right. Like yeah, dude. Thanks for You're doing uh, well. Of dude, course, life, life is good, man. Life is good. Yeah, get to hang a out. Great group of a great group of guys here. It looks like it's an amazing group of guys. So you know, yeah. I mean, you know how we do it with the with the young guys, and you know, we mm -hmm. get to we get to do it with the men uh, now as well. And like, what an honor! I just I get to I literally spend my entire day chatting with with guys like this. Well, yeah, rough rough life, right? Yeah, that's what we do. But you, we work hard to get to the point where it's easy. Yes, sir. That's exactly it, man. So, um, you know, to be able to have you come back on with these guys, man, is a is a pleasure and it's a, and it's an honor, truly. Um, you know, no, it's an honor. In that, in that message, man, one of my favorite conversations uh, of all time with the young men. You know, and we've done we've done a couple hundred at this point, and I still I've got notes from every single one. Um, and Excellent. you know, your conversations one that I go back to quite a bit, and your page is one that I go back to quite a bit, and and that doesn't they may not seem like a, a lot, but man, I don't I don't do a whole lot of scrolling or searching or or you know, I just don't do a whole lot of that because I'm too busy yeah. doing things. So. Um, yeah, I appreciate you, brother, for sure. Well, I'm glad it made impact. It was something that they could use. So, man, no doubt about it. So, we'll do kind of the same uh, the same process here today, man. You know, we'll chat a little bit, and then uh, I'll be quiet and let these guys and let these guys jump in. You know, but the most important thing is we want to just highlight you. We want to honor you. We want to uh, dive in and, and tap in there. And then, you know, before we get off, we want to make sure we're we're serving you as well. You know, the podcast has been doing. Um, I don't even pay attention to the numbers. And then I get, you know, the guys coming back to me, they're like, oh my gosh, like the amount of downloads is pretty freaking. So I was like, that's awesome. And it's a great side benefit um, of just getting to do what we do right. here. So, but we want to be able to, to support you and whatever you got going on too. So we'll make sure we do that before we get off. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. So I figured we just start. Most of these guys, I have a feeling know who you are, but if not, I want to go with your words. How do you describe you? that's different than going, hey, what's the bio? What's the, how does you describe Marcus? Let's start there. Man, the, the bio is what gives you the, the traction, but man, who you are and how you show up every day is who you are really, frankly. Um, for me, I'm a husband, a stepfather, leader, and then coach, speaker, author is where that comes from, in my opinion. And the goal is, I just want anything that I've gone through to help other people, but I understand that human nature means we can hear it many ways, but until it happens to us, 
that's the only time we actually do it. So on paper, theoretically, we can do it without adversity in our in our lives. I'm telling you now, try to learn this lesson before you need it, because adversity is coming. It's on the way. It's in route as we speak. It is is coming. So the more you can start asking yourself, where am I? Where are these blind spots? Where are there chinks in my armor? If I'm communicating as a leader, what does that look like? If um, we talk about love languages, right? Everybody here, these are all men. A lot of them are married. Um, we look at love languages and we look at how we speak to our wives, how we do those things. In leadership, it's the same thing. There's leadership languages. Mm-hmm. So if I have a person, so in, in leadership language, it's almost like a love language. We usually speak to them the way that we would like to be spoken to. So if you're a direct guy, you're, you're given the knife hand and you're directly speaking to your people. Mm-hmm. But if you have more than two people in the room, chances are one of them may not be as receptive to that. Right. So what do I have to do? I have to detach. I have to read the room and see what it is. If I'm an owner, a CEO, a leader, a co-founder, and my room is dividing, because I'm not speaking to them in the language that they appreciate. Mm. I need to be able to see that. So I need to be fluent in different languages. Mm. Such a powerful concept, man. I want to, I want to go into, I want to go into the blind spots and I want to go into that ability and, and cultivating that ability to speak to people the way they need to be spoken to. I want to go into both of those things, but I want to touch on something too, just in case these guys don't know, or, or if it's a listener that didn't hear your, you know, your first episode, when you're talking about adversity being on the way, right. And, and, and taking those lessons out of adversity, you're not just speaking from your ivory tower in an academic perspective. This is very much out of experience. And when I say experience, we're talking spinal injury we're talking paralysis we're talking clinical death from what i you know from what from what i know and from what i remember in our previous conversations can you outline that experience a little bit because i just i want context as we start talking about blind spots and as we start talking you know talking adversity i want context yeah. here for what you've gone through so uh joined the military at 38 had gone through a divorce and had a really powerful male role model in my life pass away who is in Vietnam. And I'd always wanted to join the military and I always had a reason not to. So I joined the military at 38, joined, enlisted. So I'm in the infantry, I'm a grunt, I'm an E4 because I want to try to follow in my great uncle's footsteps. He was in recon, he was in long range reconnaissance patrol in Vietnam. And um, man, I get there and finally get pushed into this place where I don't have any other choice in infantry school, in basic, in all these things. But it's what I needed. It's what men need. We crave that. Mm-hmm. Having said that, in 2012, while I'm preparing to deploy, we're in the middle of a deployment cycle. I rupture a disc in my neck, and that paralyzes me from the neck down. So when everybody else is approaching 40, they're thinking about their accolades, their marriage, their kids, 1.4 you know, vehicles, their profession they established. And at 40 years old, I'm broke, divorced, bedridden, and paralyzed from the neck down and suicidal. And I don't know what the hell my life is going to be. They say that there's fates worse than death. And in my opinion, being physically active your entire life and having this physicality and then having it ripped away from you, even when you think you're doing the right thing, that was like disempowering. I felt like a victim. I felt like the... God or the universe was punishing me 
for something I had done before. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it, man. And for four months, I lied in that bed and I just sit there and hated the world, hated the people that took care of me, allowed that to be my existence, allowed that to be my identity. But for everyone here, the only meaning that diversity has is the meaning that you choose to assign to it. That is it. If you see this, what looks like hardship and you say, this is going to stop me or this sucks or why am I doing this or this is stupid? Guess what? It will repress you and it will stop you from achieving excellence. But the people that win, the guys that are successful, it's the same adversity, but one sees it as a catalyst to get better and says, you know what? This thing that I want on the other side is worth more than this hardship right now. Mm. And if you're all here, you understand this in some way, shape or form. For me, I didn't have any other way. So I had to just sit with this open wound of, in, of my injury and look at it. And I turned it into something as that was almost sacred. It's like, I'm already ripped open. What's in here? I mean, I got nothing else to do. I got plenty of free time. Mm -hmm. And that made me unpack my, my great uncle's death, my own divorce, everything that had happened to me up until my parents divorced when I was a kid, looked how that translated, looked how that framed everything that I had done. And then, God, this is something. So everybody here is trying to get better and learn. But man, I don't want you guys to learn anymore, okay? Like for today, I want you to just listen. And um, I thought I was smart. Like I'd pat myself on the back because I could quote Marcus Aurelius or Zen or Stoicism or religion. You know, I'd sit in that bed. I could tell you all this stuff. And if I could say something that made you go, ooh, that made me feel good. But I was building nobility around that because I wasn't applying anything that I was learning. I thought that hearing it and being able to memorize it and regurgitate it, I thought that knowledge equaled wisdom. And I'm here to tell you that it does not. Mm. knowledge means nothing knowledge that is acquired but unutilizes the equivalent of ignorance i'm telling you octa non verba putting it into play mm. knowing what to do and not acting on it means you're a liar bingo bruce lee says don't tell me i'm sorry epictetus says don't tell me your philosophy embody it bruce lee said knowing is not enough we must apply willing is not enough we must do mm -hmm. so chances are everybody here knows there's one area they need to improve on something and again communication may be it maybe physicality maybe diet maybe spirituality maybe looking unabrashed at yourself unflinchingly being really honest and saying what is that blind spot mm -hmm. and you're around a bunch of people here that you can trust that will tell you bingo but deep down you, you probably have an idea, right? Freaking no. Dang, right. God. So like I just remind the nobility around that you build for yourself around knowledge. That's such a powerful concept. Uh, and it's why there's so, you know, so many guys that will quote the quote the quotes and spout the cliches and come on, guys, discipline equals freedom and stay hard and what what keep hammering. Like what's the what's the cliche of the day? And it's like, cool, man, keep hammering. Also, I saw you post that a year ago. Also, you look the same. You're acting the same. You know, like, 
Are you hammering or are you writing keep hammering? And that fills the soul, right? It reminds me of uh, Goodwill Hunting, right? And the whole like that that guy with the long hair, you know, the the dude that comes in there and wants to spout all the all the rhetoric, and and Will just you know takes him to the takes him to the schoolhouse. Like, man, that's that's not. Like, do you have any thoughts of your own? And that's where you get the thoughts of your own is through the action and through your experience around that. Holy cow. So you used, you said a sign. You said it doesn't, you know, adversity um, is as powerful as however you, you know, whatever you assign to it, right? Whatever the meaning is you assign to that. So you're yeah. circling down this drain you're, or you're going down this freaking water slide and it made me think of um there's this old singer named john cicada people probably don't remember who he is but yeah he, do you remember that guy yeah yeah okay so yes yeah, so he's got one song called uh like a free or i'm free and he says things are only as important as i want them to be right and so he's assigning yep. what adversity looks like when you start to assign that you're laying in that bed you're laying there for four months and you said you start to unpack how did you start to unpack? And more important, like, how did you know to do? Because you're circling down this drain and you've got to essentially stop yourself from circling and then start climbing back up it while the water's still pressing you down. So what does that actually look like? And was it more of a who or you had people around you? Was it a mentor through books, through like, what was it that you're like, forget this four month journey, I'm going back up the hill. Like, yeah. how did that actually look? The big thing for anything is we have to come to that place of just really radical acceptance of what's going on. And um, I think we talked about Kubla Ross before. There's like five stages, denial, anger, bargaining, mm. depression, and acceptance. And man, I was blaming everybody else. I was trying to do everything I could. The first week I was injured, I thought that I could walk this thing off is my analogy. Um, clearly that wasn't the case, but once you get to that place and you realize, okay, if this is the reality, if this is the truth and it is, I don't have to like it, but I still have to deal with it. Like this is not my fault, but it's still my responsibility, it's still my life. So if this is what it is, what do I do? Am I just going to sit here and play the victim for the rest of my life and blame everybody else and be miserable to be around? I, that's not what I want to do. Mm. And so I let all that philosophy and all that understanding, because it just sounds like flowery BS when it's you, when it's you in the bed, mm. I don't care what Marcus Aurelius says, when it's you in the bed and your marriage is falling apart or you've lost your job or there's financial ruin, you don't care about what Seneca or anybody on this call is saying. That's right. You think about you and that's the human condition. That's what we do. So for what, what I'm saying is this, I found the acceptance allowed me to take control of it. Mm. When I'm in denial, I have no control over it. And then, um, man, a lot of people talk about gratitude and they, uh, they, they're bullshitting themselves with it. They're, it's not real. Yeah. They, uh, gaslight themselves or they, um, they guilt themselves into it. And that's not what I'm talking about. So gratitude, in my opinion, is when you can be happy that something happened, even if it gives zero benefit to you in the long term. Mm -hmm. So 
I kept trying to unpack this because it's easy to be grateful when everything is going well. And when we cherry pick stuff, it's like my business is well, my family is healthy. It's sunny outside. I love my life. But man, anybody can do that. Mm. What I'm saying is you have to be able to figure out where's the gift and the adversity. And here's the thing. It's a phrase and it's a truth, but when we're in it, it's hard to see it. Mm. It is absolutely hard to see it when we're going through it. But I'll, I'll ask you this. Anybody that's gone through hardship in their life, if it was far enough back, they can usually look back because they have what? They're detached now. That's right. They've accepted it. It's water under the bridge. And now they can look back and say, you know what? If that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here. Mm. If this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have that conversation. I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have met this person. I wouldn't have been in the situation I'm in. And I'm not trying to say that as, again, justification. I'm not trying to tell you just sit on your ass and let things happen to you because that's what victims do. When you have people that are sitting on their hands and their life is just falling apart and they go, oh, but I'm grateful. It's like, no, they're not. Those are people that are just trying to find any reason to get through the day. And that's not what the men on this call are about. We're about actually figuring things out, taking care of stuff, actions, not words. That's the idea. For me, when I had no other choice, the choice was simple. And I had to find something to replace all the anger in my life at that place. And for me, what I found was, I realized that if I'd have been in Afghanistan and I'd have been injured then, for every one man that is injured in combat, it takes two to pull into safety. And I had just been given a team at that point. I'm a team leader. So these guys are counting on me. So if we'd have been outside the wire in Afghanistan and this neck injury would have happened, and I believe it would have happened no matter where I was, that means I would have, my team would have been in danger. And I also understand we signed the paper. We know when we go off to war, what could happen. But for me, I had to find something, anything to believe in that made this at least palatable, at least allow me to survive this thing in my mind. So when I realized that my men weren't compromised, that there was no big Chinook helicopter that had to fly in to, to try to exfil me, when I realized that there were dozens of other people who were not put in harm's way because I was injured, that's when I was like, wow, I'm lucky. Not that I'm lucky, but I'm grateful that nobody else was hurt because of my injury. And man, for the first time in like 40 years, I had genuine 360, no BS gratitude. Mm. You, that was it. You replaced, I like that word. I wrote down that word that you just said is replace. You replaced you replace the emotion. I think that's a powerful concept because we'll talk about detaching and that's much easier said than done, right? We'll oh, talk yeah. about detaching from the emotion to try to be able to bring some, some objectivity to something that's inherently subjective. So we'll talk about that. Oh, yeah. But when you're not just avoiding the emotion that comes up in the subjective experience, rather you're replacing that emotion with gratitude and with thankfulness like that and with a, a different perspective i think that is a, a more powerful insight on how we can actually detach because we're still emotional beings so yes we detach but we don't want to be completely sociopaths either so it's like right. detach you assign that emotion replace that emotion and then you can be more objective i think that's a very powerful and i don't know that i've ever thought through that specific concept until right now yeah, that's really good. So as, as you started moving forward and, and 
you know, you're replacing these emotions and you start to, to make this progress and you start to turn things around. You know, I, I want to give a brief overview of, of what you do now kind of day to day. And then let's set you like, what do you do now day to day? What's the majority of your day look like? And then how do you, in the process of what you do now, I want to circle back to the blind spots in that. So yeah. what does the day-to-day look like now? How are you reaching people, helping people from the from the podcast to the coaching and the speaking and all of those things? And as you're doing that and working to improve in all those areas, how do you try to stay cognizant of your own blind spots in that since we were talking about that earlier? Absolutely. And I'll complete the loop for everybody else. The um, Once I had real gratitude for about two weeks, that's when I started getting a little bit of feeling back in my fingers mm-hmm. and it wasn't a whole lot and there were stops and starts. Um, but it took a year and a half of physical and occupational therapy, but eventually they physically, I mean, they medically retired me after they realized I was actually going to be able to recover to an extent for me. Now my life consists of speaking. Uh, I think you saw, I was just in Portugal last, last week. Awesome. And it's amazing when you can bring your wife when people are like, hey, we want you to come over and speak, we'll pay for that. Oh, we'll pay for your flight and we'll pay for the five days, bring your wife. So just like you're saying, life is good, but it takes time to get you to that point. Speaking is something I enjoy doing, but I enjoy doing it here like this. I enjoy, it doesn't do me any good. There were 3000 people at my TEDx talk, right? Yeah. But those are people that are golf clapping or people that want you to sign a book and get a picture with you. And then those people are not putting it into play. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, I was more about just getting out there and speaking a lot. And that's fine. And I still do. But I would rather talk to 20, 40, 50, 100 people that are really wanting to do this, that are really going to apply at least some of it. That's what I want from here on out. That's why the podcast That's why I'm talking to you. That's why you and I are friends and I'm around these incredible people. That's the goal. So every day now for me, it gets up physical, get up, get a walk with my wife, get outside. We clean the slate, get sun, move, take the dogs out. And now we're doing what? Five things at once. Mm-hmm. It takes care of that. Go to the gym after that. If I need to get some chow, get cleaned up, come in for my first, either my first coaching client call or my first interview. Or I'm working, I'm trying to finish this, this second book, Octonom Verba, and there's a lot of moving parts, but um, that's what I'm working on as well. That's what my days look like for the most part. And then the beauty of it is all of my other po- components, again, like the, the podcast, being able to speak to you, being able to connect to you in a real way. Um, you and I are mutual friends, fans of um, Stephen Pressfield, Robert Greene. Like, these are the men whose words were going through my mind when I was paralyzed. And had I not tried to at least step out and do something on my own and build it, there's no way I would even be on their radar. Mm-hmm. But you have to go out there. Listen, you're never going to get permission, accolades, or pass on the back until it no longer matters to you. You're just not. It's You're going to be around people like us that want you to win, but we can't do the work for you. We can give you all of the steps we can give you all the ingredients but you still have to put that thing together and you still have to do it consistently and that's why this stuff takes a while to get there so if i was injured when i was 40 i'm 51 it's taken this long to get to that point where i can actually make sense of everything that happened and put it into a framework that serves leaders 
So when I talk to companies, when I talk to CEOs, all I'm doing is keeping them accountable and being very honest with them and calling them on their BS and finding their blind spots in a place you were talking about asking what blind spots come from. My wife is like the lead indicator. Mm -hmm. She's the canary in the coal mine. If there's something there and I'm not seeing it, it's because when I'm not present or if I'm teaching somebody something, if I'm teaching a bunch of people something or if I'm speaking and I can see that there's a disconnection there. Mm. Lots of times that's because I'm not presenting it correctly. How can I say this better? And then during the Q&A, man, you better believe my ears are open and I am asking. And when they ask a question, even if it's a question I've been asked a hundred times, I give the best answer that I can as honestly as I can. And then I try to counter that back. Does that make sense? What am I leaving out? Yeah. And when you have people that really want to learn, they don't care about pretense. They will say, well, what does that mean? You know, adversity is a gift. I get it, but I'm going through divorce now. How can I find the gift in the adversity? Man, sometimes the only gift in adversity is to tell yourself to stop repeating the process to put yourself through that same hardship. Right. That's exactly so, right. So that's that's where that comes in. And then other blind spots. I, I have five circles that I call them. It's It's physical. It's like business and finance. It's spiritual. It's your own edification, what you're pouring into yourself. And then just understanding how all those things connect. So for me, I go through that and I'm like, what am I doing? Well, what am I doing badly? I call it three up, three down. So yeah. we can look at our business. What am I doing? Well, what am I doing better? What can I do better? Mm. You look through all of those. And if you go through those five different circles and then you look at what you can do better and what you can, what you're still doing well, mm. that gives you an indication. But lots of times if we're just honest and humble, we'll get the reflection back to us. We'll find out what that blind spot is. Very much so. And I love what you, yeah, that three up, three down is powerful. I do that with Kevin Boyson and with uh, Satema. Um, mm -hmm. I do something very similar, you know, in, in that we call it three up, three down and same. Um, but I love what you're saying. So like you're talking about your own blind spots and you're also talking about a little bit about um, or what we were saying earlier about speaking to people, how they need to be spoken to. Yes. Part of what you were just talking about right there was, okay, well, uh, finding blind spots. My wife is a canary in the coal mine, right? So I have to listen. I have to listen to her to see my blind spots when I'm talking to these people and I've got the people in the crowd, I've got to pay attention to them. And then I've got to listen to their questions. And then one of the things you also subtly said and didn't directly say it, but subtly said a, a lot of times, the biggest issue for men is that they will refuse to listen to themselves and they trick themselves around what that blind spot is because they already kind of know but they refuse to listen there yeah we it's cognitive bias right we hate to admit that we're wrong um the other thing and this is what i really want i really want to give it to these guys so understanding how somebody wants to be spoken to means they're going to be more receptive to what it is so if you have a teammate and this person likes to be patted on the back first or given compliments, understand that. And when you do that, now that opens them up and now you can give them. So if they, they drop the ball on something, you don't say, hey, why'd you drop the ball on that? Mm -hmm. Go up to them, find out what they've done well that day and then say, is there anything we can do better? Mm -hmm. And what do I do? I open them up with the question and now they're receptive. So I ask the question and that allows me to make the point. Mm. so i don't want to say it's like the jab and then the cross but i'm opening them up by creating the dialogue and then sometimes 
they acknowledge it before you even have to point it out to them. And you go, oh, okay. So what can we do better? How can we do that differently? Moving forward, how do we stop this from happening again? Now we create that dialogue. Some people, they just want you to kind of smack them in the back of the head. It's like, hey, you dropped the ball on this, this, and this. Do you need support? Is that, are you good? Am I wrong? And then you can allow that to play out. That dialogue is important with the people around us, but your internal dialogue, the way you talk to yourself and men, man, we are the, we can be bad at this. For sure. As leaders, as fathers, as husbands, we can give everybody else all the empathy in the world and all the pragmatic empathy, and we can give them a lot of space. But when it's time for us to have it, not me. No, nope. I allow that for other people. I don't need that. I'm strong enough. I don't need that. And that's, that's, that's tough because mm -hmm. if my wife is trying to be good to me and I don't allow her to do that, does that encourage her to want to be good to me? Right. Does that make her feel appreciated that I don't even acknowledge the fact that she's doing that, that I look almost rebuffed or pissed off that she's trying to be good to me? That probably doesn't encourage that behavior, right? Yeah. And this is where the internal dialogue comes in because I'm just as guilty as anybody else. If something happens and I, I mess up, it's easy to, to kick myself and be like, man, that was a you dumbass. Why'd you do that? You know, blah, 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 blah. Or if you broke off on something and you didn't finish it the way you wanted to, it's easy to kick ourselves a lot. But the internal dialogue that I have with myself is the dialogue that I will eventually have with the people closest to me, mm. with my wife, with my team, with my kids. So if you care about them, take yourself out of the equation. It's not about you. Right. But if you're talking to yourself like that, and now you lash out at them, talking to the same way that you do to yourself, and that's not what you want. Right. So if your internal dialogue is, is really corrosive and really detrimental, just be careful because eventually that will seep out around the edges to the people closest to you. So if you care about them, care about you and your dialogue. That's right. Stars inside. It's always an inside out game. Oh, so good. G, go ahead, sir. Yeah, sorry, I was just trying to... Hey, what's yeah. up, Chief? Hey, how's it going, Marcus? Thank you so Good. much for your time, brother. Thank um, you. Just had a question around the coaching uh, game that you've been in for, for quite some time now, right? Um, when you're looking at, like, I remember uh, Todd Herman, right, our first mentor uh, when we started our program, uh, he told us we were a weird bunch. He's like, you guys are weird. <laughs> you know, because all of us in here are trying to improve ourselves, right? We're trying to get better and we're trying to level up in, in the five circles that you just uh, you kind of eloquently explained. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, as I see men, other men in my circle and friends, family, that kind of thing, and I see guys that are asleep and I see guys that are a little bit more awake, right, that are trying, that are wanting to do that. And in your experience with, with coaching, right, what have you found to be kind of the catalyst that may that wakes them up? Like, do you think that they need to hit kind of a rock bottom point, right? Um, a level of adversity where they they have no other recourse and they have to go a route to become better, right? To kind of wake up? Or is there, uh, or have you seen coaching clients where maybe they didn't reach that level of adversity, kind of like, like your experience, right? 
but they still snapped out of it. They still woke up and said, you know what? I still need to improve because I'm, I'm still living a mediocre life. Like I need to improve. Right. Um, and I just wanted to get your take on that if you could. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And we all have to be slapped in the face by adversity just to wake us from our slumber of mediocrity. We all need that. And for some of us, it's, it's a literal punch in the face for some of us. It's a relationship for the people that I coach. They have skin in the game because they're paying me. And so when, and I'm not, and I'm not inexpensive. So that makes them really take everything that I say to heart. So when I call them on their BS or when I push back or I say, you're not doing the work or you're holding back on me, they know it's true. And that makes them want to be better. Those of us around us that maybe you're sleeping or maybe got a glimpse of sort of it. Lots of times people call it adversity, but it's really just enlightenment. It's really just a reality check that makes them undeniably understand that, yeah, this is true. Like I was trying to tiptoe around this thing, but no, I need to get in better shape. No, I need to get my finances squared away. No, I need to be better trained with this weapon system, or I need to have two and a half weeks of food and water just in case. Like those things are something we should all have. But for the people around us, the best thing we can do is it's almost like inception. Like, I can't tell this person, hey, man, you need to work on this. Hey, man, you need to work on that. The best thing I can do is lead my life and lead them by example to the best of my capacity. And that will be the thing that hopefully helps them get to that place. And then again, it's usually this this dovetail of, of that understanding and then either adversity or the threat of it coming to fruition. That's what allows people to really get the kick in the ass that they need. Because without that, again, these are all just platitudes and we may take notes and we may write it down. We may quote it on social media, but at the end of the day, it's on us. And that's the way that we do it. So um, my stepdaughter, I came into her life when she was 15. I didn't have kids before that. So even though I had been a coach, there's still a big learning curve and I'm thrown into this thing and we got along incredibly well and we are like peas in a pod, but she's also 15 and she's discovering boys and she's driving soon and she's going through teenage stuff. So I had to understand her language. I had to understand her love language. Where do I stand whenever she and her mom are in a fight? What's my role? What does she need now? What can I give her that she's not having? What can I talk to her about to help her get to those places? And eventually I said something to her. I was just like, she, she was upset about something and she would, she had misconstrued something I had done. So I just said, okay, I apologize. And I, I will not repeat the behavior. And that just stopped her dead in her tracks because she never heard somebody say that before. So I just took ownership and I tried to get better at it. And then slowly we built on that. So to me, coaching is, I've been doing martial arts for a long time. And the best coaches that were martial artists for me were the ones that when you drop your hand, they catch you. They tell you two or three times, hey, you're dropping your hand. But eventually you get that pop in the face. It's like, oh, drop my hand. It's like, yeah, yeah, you are. So that's what we try to do. And we're doing it in a place now where we can do it. Everybody here cares. Everybody here wants you to be better. But at the same time, we have to walk the path. Yes, does sir. that answer your question, G? Yes, sir, it does. Yeah, definitely. Uh, appreciate that. 
Thank you. Of course. Really good. Yeah. My dear friend, Mr. Tim Kennedy is very good at coaching in that, in that way. He's, it's, and he doesn't usually do the warning. It's just, no. <laughs> just <laughs> you're dropping your hand. Just, yep. Uh-huh. And I'm going to give it right back to you immediately. Thereafter too. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's happened more than once for sure. Mr. Nastasi. Yeah. Good evening guys. Uh, thank you, Marcus. Um, thank you. You might've just answered this question kind of in the last one. Um, growing up, you, you get wisdom from older people, from adults, from pe- mentors that you look up to. And I just thought this question now, but I was always given wisdom and I never took it because I'm one of those stubborn people. How do we, like for my kids, how do we get them to understand that wisdom that you actually are coming from? And maybe that's from building up you know, over time that um, the foundation that you talked about, owning up to your honesty, knowing the love language, uh, knowing when you're wrong and telling them that, but just some thoughts on, on what you're thinking on that. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And uh, I did a, a podcast on this because in social media, everybody's like 24th, you know, uh, three things I wish I learned when I was 24. And I, I kind of did it tongue in cheek. And I was like, you know, three reasons why giving myself advice at 24 would have been a waste of time because I was 24 because I wouldn't have believed it. Even if it was me from right now in the future, I would have been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the three things that I would have done is I probably would have said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that later. And I wouldn't have acted on it. Or I would have said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that. Oh, I know that, but I'm not acting on it or okay. Maybe I will act on it, but whenever it gets difficult, because what do people say? Oh, I've tried that. Mm. Yeah. You've tried it. But did you really, or did you just wait until you had a little bit of adversity? And then that gave you permission to give up because that's what most people do. Mm. So the best thing you can do for your kids, love them, let them know that you love them and then lead them, pour into them, make them feel like rock stars. Also, um, from what I've learned, my daughter is a, uh, she was a volleyball player. So if I said she had a, if she had a good job and she like just crushed it in her mind, that's what she's supposed to do. That's my job. But what did I do? I appealed to her work ethic. I was like, Sid, I love that you were the hardest worker out there. You're the first one on the court. You're the last one off. Now, what am I doing? I'm reinforcing something that she can control. She can't control if she always crushes the ball, but she can absolutely control if she's hitting the workouts, if she's going and doing the stuff with the trainer, if she's working on her vertical. So if you can reinforce the things that make them better, mm-hmm. good catch, by the way. <laughs> well, well done. Yeah. Well, well done. done. Like yeah, that's it. Where... I mean, and that's, that's a great thing. Like allow them to have that, give them that space. Yeah. My, my, that... my, my wife would, would, uh, you know, yell at me for that one. Right there. That's okay. I think it's good. Does that answer to your question or was I too vain? Oh no, that was, I got you. Yeah. The, the kids, what we, I heard Ed Milet say this. He says, most of the things we teach our kids are not taught. They're caught. They catch you working out. They catch you owning up to your responsibilities. They catch you when you say, you know what? I'm sorry, daddy messed up here. I won't do that again. That's what they catch. So lead by that mentality and you can't go wrong. That's right. Oh, it's so good. You literally, so like I was, I was talking to somebody earlier about the, uh, 
like to for for acronym's sake and this i get this from bedros he's like you know you put things in an acronym and it's gonna everybody's gonna remember so I, I started to do that sometimes to help some people but it's kind of this this tire method of of trust so it's building trust mm-hmm. right building trust with the young heroes the eye is inspiring them because you you want to inspire them to do the things. It's reinforcing what you were just saying, reinforcing not it's reinforcing things like the work ethic. It's reinforcing things like the character, the values, the virtues. It's reinforcing those things. And then yes. the example he is being the example, being the example of all of the above. You're doing that. That is the leadership for the for the young heroes. That's exactly it, man. Oh, really, really good. And I loved that post. Um, that you were talking about too, uh, with, uh, at you at 24, I remember having a good conversation with, um, Josh Tyler mm-hmm. about, about that after you had posted that. Um, and I don't remember how it even came up, but we ended up talking about that. Yeah, it was, it's brilliant. Cause we know it's, we know it's true. It's true. Wow. Hey, uh, Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay. Hey, Vargas. Thanks. Um, uh, uh, the internal dialogue that you talked about a few minutes ago, um, I was hoping you could expand on that a little bit. And um, because it's something that, well, just being honest, I, I, I struggle with, um, well, I struggle with a negative internal dialogue. I think you can have internal dialogues from every different oh. aspects, but um, the negative internal dialogue. And it, unfortunately, my son's kind of adopted that same uh negative internal dialogue hmm, where do you and think he's got that where did he get oh, he it from me there's no question yeah um so and and you know through this program and other things in uh, you know I've, I've, i'm able to f- catch myself but not as often as obviously i would like to um for and for me it's starting uh, conversations with a little bit more empathy um hmm. and just staying calm um uh, because like Matt, I have a default aggression is my emotion. So um, the uh, so I guess the question is, can you expand on the internal dialogue a little bit more from your, your perspective and then maybe share some of the tools that you'll utilize to help the internal dialogue come out in a more positive or, you know, whatever, however you want to expand on that to, to, to utilize as tools. And there's also the component of... Um, conversing with my son, my wife, my employees, my athletes, like, and then yeah, that's four different languages, right? Cause yeah, it's four correct. different groups. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, and then, so there's my internal dialogue and then sensing, you know, that four other groups, internal dialogue and being able to respond or react to their like internal dialogue that's coming out. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe it's too, too jumbled there, but or there's no. a lot there, but no, that is good. So, so give me an example of your internal dialogue. Um, mine personally, uh, yeah. the big one would be, um, if I am, um, working with my wife, okay. we have a, a partner together and or we have a business together. Um, and she comes up with a problem right okay. when I'm in the middle of doing something, my, uh, reaction is to just be like, I can't help you right now. I'm doing something. So I'll, la- and you know, so I'll kind of lash out with, you know, can we talk about this later? She's obviously coming to me because she needs help. Right. And my initial reaction is always typically is going to be, I can't help you right now. I'm doing something, um, versus 
stopping, listening, and then responding. But my you know internal dialogue is just immediate. No, I can't. I'm doing this right now. Like I'll get back to you in a second. You know. Um, so there's one example of you know thousands that I could give you. Okay. So how long has this been going on? Oh, uh, I've had it. Yeah, forever. Okay. My internal dialogue has been negative for as far as I can remember. So about the phone or whatever it is, in, in particular, like you said, if we're answering to a, a text or an email or a response, um, you know, from here on out, maybe tell her before she comes in or just say, hey, I'm going to be on this for a second. Um, if I'm on here, I'll get right back to you. That helps you. What am I doing? I'm prefacing it. This mm -hmm. is we talk about ownership. This is preemptive ownership. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm getting in front of it way before it happens. As a matter of fact, the next time you talk to her, tell her about this now before there's any of this stuff going on. And this helps you, one, tell her. Two, you've told her, so now it reminds you. Three, now she's going to say, hey, I remember you said that last time. Right? So this gives you three different reinforcements. Actually, we're talking about it now, right? We're talking about it now, so it's actually four times. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with the internal dialogue, um, man, there's a million things that go on. And I've seen some people are like, when you have a negative emotion or you have a negative thought, just try to replace it with something positive. That in my, in my response has not worked. Um, with people I've worked with, it doesn't always work. So what I try to do is, and what do we do? As humans, as men, if we are going out to hunt, we think about the negative. We talk about the worst case scenario. When I was in the military, we always had a contingency, right? We always assumed that the plan would not survive first contact when the bullets fly. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. All the analogies we know, right? And that's natural. But what we have to do is when we have a lot of it, if it's starting to go down towards this negative spiral, and now no matter what happens, I'm pissed off or I'm in a bad mood. First of all, ask yourself about your physical state. Am I sleep deprived? What's my blood sugar like? Did I work out much today? Have I been outside? If you're aware of those factors, that alone can help you kind of step back. If there was somebody around you that you knew that was sleep deprived, had low blood sugar, and they were a bear when they didn't have good food, you would probably give that person a wide berth. So think about that with you, mm. first of all. Second of all, if you have something that's going negative as an internal dialogue, don't try to just pull it back positive because that's not that doesn't work. Just try to get back to neutral. Okay. Just get back to neutral, man. Just clean the slate. Just say, is that really true? Like, what are the odds of this horrible thing that I'm really thinking about potentially happening? What are the odds of it actually happening? Mm. Right. Um, maybe not. Even if it's 50-50, I can at least bring myself back a little bit more to neutral here. The reason why things get out of control is because we don't feel like we have an answer or a plan. So if I'm driving cross country with Matt, and I asked him if we have a spare tire and he says, no, I'm like, shit, what am I going to worry about the whole time we're on that drive? Spare tire. Get a flat tire, right? But if I'm prepared and I have a plan, it's not nearly as foreboding and it doesn't just pull all my mental energy. It doesn't tax me as much. So just try to get back to that neutral place. And then, like you said, if you're talking to kids, they're kids, they're just trying to have a good time. They're just trying to have fun. If we're leading them, if we're leading the team, they're playing baseball, softball, whatever it is. And I want you guys to have, I want you to work hard. I want you to have a good time. And I want you to have fun. I want to win. But if we win, 
and we're not working hard and we're not having a good time, do we really win? No. And you know, how long have you been married? Uh, 15, 16 years. <laughs> yeah. What, do you know your wife's love languages? Her love language? Yeah. Any of them? There's, there's five, but like most, usually they like, um, like material things like gifts or they like words of affirmation. They like physical touch. They like, um, like acts of service. She likes when I'm on top of my shit. There you go. That's, like, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. It, it's apparent if I'm slipping or if, if there's things that aren't working with me, she just is like, yeah, no way, buddy. Like get your shit together. Then we, we can talk. So that's your canary in the coal mine, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. She keeps you yeah. honest, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. She's going to be more honest with you than anybody else will probably. Right. Yeah. 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 That's a great partner to have. Yeah. And here's the other thing because it's coming from our wife, it's sometimes hard to be objective, but this is the mantra for you. I absorb truth irrespective of source. I absorb truth irrespective of source. So if my wife is yelling at me that I'm an idiot because I did something wrong, I remove the idiot component and say, actually, she's right because I dropped the ball on this. Copy. Right? And it's the same thing with anything. Social media, like there's people that I don't agree with philosophically, religiously, politically, but if they say something that's powerful and true and I can use it, you bet your ass I'm going to use it. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. if I don't take that information and bring it to you guys or somebody else that needs that information, who did it hurt? Me or the people I'm trying to help. Right. And here's the other thing. There's nothing new under the sun. So coming down to these principles, coming down to the simplicity of everything, that's what we have to do. What we're talking about, what Matt talks about, it's it's simple, but it's not easy. And understand this also, um, emotions assassinate the truth. Mm. Yeah. So, so if we're in a conversation, we haven't got a lot of sleep, low blood sugar, and we're fighting about money, probably not going to be a good time. No. And now you're on your phone and she's pissed off that you're not on your shit because <laughs> you won't respond to her. Sound familiar? Yeah. Sure. Ad adversity builds momentum when there's a bunch of them at once. These are micro adversities. The financial conversation, the low blood sugar, the sleep deprivation, and the fact that you're on the phone to her, it feels like it's all this stuff happening at once. Now, if these were just singular things, it wouldn't be a big deal. I'm kind of tired, but blood sugar is good, not stressed out. Money's good. I'm on the top of my shit. But if all those things happen at one time, it's tough. So when those things are happening and we're being pulled down to that negative dialogue, take a breath, get back to neutral, and now start figuring out how to get on your shit. And the first thing it may be getting some food, apologizing to her, owning the ownership, owning what you did. Say, honey, I'm sorry, I didn't sleep very well. Haven't eaten anything for a minute. Let me get some water. Let me finish this conversation up on this. And then we'll get this thing squared away. Copy yeah. that. Thank you, sir. Is Amazing. that actionable? Are these things you can put into play, right? 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's what I want. I'm All the platitude in the world doesn't help. We want this stuff that we can apply right now in real time. Absolutely. Can do. Thank you, sir. Appreciate Absolutely. it. I'm really good. Really good. A lot of wisdom right there. And, and Jay, just for the 
the second with the the part about your young man too you know one of the things that i've found to be effective too is uh, you know I'm, I'm big on obviously teaching through allegory teaching through story and um especially with young heroes because it can take the emotion out of it for them if you can show them the example yes. of things they can work on but you're not talking about it in terms of it being them right it's a different deal so for your young man one of the ways that you're going to help him is by you working through your own stuff, but having him be like your accountability partner where it's like, hey man, I'm working through this negative talk. Can you help me out? Can you be my accountability partner, right? You help me out, you spot it in me because this is what I'm struggling with and this is when it happens to me, man. And these are the things that I'm saying to myself. You're you're just focusing on getting yourself better, but you're verbalizing it to him where he can work through his own stuff too without feeling attacked on it. You know what I mean? So make them your accountability partner in that whole thing. And you'll both of you guys rise together. Yeah. Yep. Really good. And then we got Mr. Mikey T with a 10 month old right there. Hey, congrats. Yeah, buddy. I think you're muted. There we go. Yeah. Hey, how are you? Good. Oh, question for you is when everything's stripped away and you go through a divorce, you get this near near death experience you're paralyzed you're laying there what are you thinking about like hey if i get this second chance i'm gonna do this on this second go around or this is now my focal point and these are all the things that i'm seeing are important now that everything's been stripped away just for you personally what were some of those things yeah in my in my tedx i i actually say that i say to everybody that's listening if you woke up tomorrow paralyzed from the neck down what do you wish you would have accomplished with your life? What regrets would you harbor? For me, I realized that if I'm in a bed paralyzed, the car I drive means nothing. The kind of house I live in means nothing. The clothes I wear don't really mean anything. The amount of money that I have is just a number on a computer screen or a slip of paper. So the thing that matters the most are relationships and their relationship the relationship you have with yourself is is the beginning of it, right? How many times have we heard about leaders or um, or men in general where they they mess up bad? And I mean like embezzlement, I mean abuse of power, I mean cheating. And the person that they trespassed against gives them another chance. And that person still can't do the right thing because they don't believe that they're worth it because their relationship is so tarnished and corroded that they can't give back to this other person who desperately loves them, who desperately wants them to do the right thing. So this is where that accountability comes in. And this is where being really honest with yourself helps. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. Like it takes a long time and it takes lots of different adversities. But for me, the relationships that I have, what was crazy was for better or for worse as humans, like once we get away from adversity, we adapt quickly. When we're forced to stay with it, we adapt quickly. But for most of us, we, it's like we, we touch a hot stove and then we wanna get away from it as much as we can. For me, I had to sit with it. But after I got out, I'm 42 and now I'm like, what do I do with my life? I didn't immediately think I was gonna try to speak or write a book or do any of that stuff. The book that came out at that time was by Robert Greene. It's called Mastery. And if you guys haven't read it, I highly recommend it. Mm. And one of the things he said in the book was, when you're not sure where to go, go back to the beginning. Mm. So for me, 
the beginning was I love martial arts. I love the philosophy that was baked within them. That extreme accountability, that honor, that respect, that humility, that work ethic, that discipline. That was all built into that. From that, I started teaching martial arts again. I got my first coaching client for, as an executive because he was a private client. And those all led to these steps to where that led to my first speaking engagement. He referred me to other people. There was a woman at one of my speaking engagements that said, I want to buy your book. Older woman that was kind of pacing at the back of the, the hall. And she was like, how can you not have a book? I was like, I don't have a book. And she said, she like read me the riot act basically. And she, <laughs> she had a granddaughter that was going through a divorce. And she said, if you had a book, I could give this to her and it would help her. How basically telling me, how dare you have something like this happen and you not put it down. Mm. And that's when I was like, okay. And I didn't want to write a book and it's, it's hard, but that's what I needed to do. And that actually gave me catharsis that actually allowed me to sit down and put in on paper. Mm. Like you have 80 things that you learned mm. and then you get rid of half of that just to get the most important stuff. And then there's like buckets, five of these things are about discipline, five of these things about being consistent, five of these things are about whatever, and you just vomit it out there. And now you finally get that done. And then I'm offered my TED talk halfway through the book. And I was like, well, I better get it figured out. And then once that happened, everything else came from that. But the beauty of it is it all comes from your own truth, from being honest with who you are. The medium doesn't matter. We're speaking on Zoom now. You could be listening to a podcast. You could see it on YouTube. You could read it in a book. You could hear it on Audible. But the truth is still the same. And that's what it is. Knowing who the hell you are and what matters to you. What do we do? These people that are burnt out, they're not burnt out. They're just working on shit they don't care about. If we're being real honest, right? So stop worrying about stuff that you don't really care about. Stop getting good at stuff that doesn't matter to you. Start figuring out what you want. And here's the thing. Sometimes figuring out what you don't want is just as important. I, I'm sure you guys have heard so many people, like all these multimillionaires that make all this money. And I've got all this money and I'm miserable because they thought that that was going to be the answer. They thought once they got to this place, they would become the person that would feel fulfilled and have relationships and respect what they're doing. And honestly, money is the easiest thing. The work that we're talking about here, being honest with yourself acknowledging to somebody else that you were wrong that you were kind of a dick about it man that takes a lot more a lot more work than trying to earn money and the more we can find ways to help us learn martial arts do that playing the guitar does that if i don't hold the strings properly it doesn't sound correct it sounds horrible right i get immediate feedback and then even journaling if if you guys journal can i give you all four questions matt yeah, please. Okay, this is what I give my clients. And I, if you guys want to write this down, you can. And if not, you'll, you can get it in the recording. So the first question is this. Over the last 12 months, what have been the most impactful things that have happened in your life? That can be good or bad. Doesn't matter. But just whatever comes to mind for you. The second thing is, having reflected on what's happened over the last 12 months, over the next 12 months, what would you like more of? And that can be whatever more feels like for you. The third thing is, after reflecting on the first two questions, 
if you had more of those things, what would having those things do for you? And then the fourth thing is, how will you know when you have them? So there's a bunch of stuff in that, but what it shows us is over those 12 months, we see what actually made an impact on us, whether it was adversity that made us get better or great things like the birth of a baby. Knowing what we want in the next 12 months helps us at least have an idea of the direction we want to go. And then if we were able to have more of these things, we ask ourselves, what does that give me? If it's more money, then does that give me more peace? Does that give me more time with my family? Does that give me more security? Does that give me more self-esteem? Do I want to buy this vehicle or this car and flex? And if that's what I want, that's fine. Just be honest about it. And then the fourth thing about understanding how will I know when I have these things is it shows us So there are certain things that we can't put a metric on. By the end of this quarter, I want to have increased this amount of money, or I want to be at this point by the end of the year financially. But there are other things like happiness and fulfillment and love and success that we may not be able to put very easy bows on. So it helps you separate and understand this is a path that we're always going to be on. Adversity will always be here. It never goes away. This is the hero's journey. Uh-huh. Once we're through it, there's just going to be another one. So the more that you accept that it will never end, the easier it is when you're walking the path. We can always get better. We can always go higher. We can always go deeper. We can always ask more. And here's the thing. Once we're there at that place and we're, we feel like we're pretty squared away, now what? we got to help the people around us. If you make your success metric based on the success of the people around you that you're helping, you can never go wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Master class. I think Mike, yeah, Mikey, my getting swung away. Um, that was, that was brilliant. Are, are you okay with one more? I want to make sure you're okay on time. I'm, I'm here for you guys. I'll, I'm here for you guys. Whatever you need. Let's go. Thank you. Mr. Spectacular. What's going on, Spec? Hey guys. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, sir. We got you. All right, Marcus, uh, you know, once I, I discovered who you were just a couple of days ago, I was really excited uh, to learn more about you. And it's funny how two days ago, I learned about you through a post by Steve Sims. And uh-huh. so I clicked on you on social media and I connected with you. And then literally like two hours later, I go to check my Apogee account. And I'm like, who's our guest speaker this week? And it was you. And I'm like, that's unreal. And I'm like, okay, what is this guy's topic? And it's like, well, he talks about adversity. I'm like, wow, well, this is good timing. Um, mm. You know, I've, I've gone through more adversity in my life than I, I care to admit. Um, you know, I understand like going through adversity can make you a better person, make you a stronger person. And a lot of good could come from that. But I've gone through much more difficult things than I ever, ever would have wanted. Um, most recently, just real quick, uh, my wife had a miscarriage just a few days ago and then had Sorry. complications and was rushed to the emergency room and had to go under emergency surgery and a blood transfusion. Now, this was, this was two days ago. And so, you know, adversity, right? And you mentioned something at the beginning of this call, uh, something like, you know, it's, it's up to you to choose what you do with the adversity. And so I guess my question to you now is, what do I choose to do with this or how do I figure that out? 
And then the other question I have is, how come some people go through more adversity than other people? Like two unrelated questions there. Mm. So what does this adversity mean to you right now? Like, just tell me, what are you feeling? Scary as hell, right? Yeah. Yeah, it should be. And that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely part of it. This could be a lot of different things. You could attach different meaning to it. But right now in this moment, you don't have to worry about figuring it out. Let's make sure mama's okay. Let's be there with her. Let's take care of her. We can figure out meaning to it later. But in this moment, that's the most important thing for her is for you to be there and to, to get through this thing. The thing too is, like I was saying before, it's hard to find meaning in adversity when we're in the face of it. It absolutely is. We have to get beyond it. The other thing too is you were saying how some people face more adversity than others. Man, here's the reality. Life is not fair. Good things happen. Bad things happen to good people all the time. And I was a victim for a long time. I was like, why did this happen to me? This, I've tried to do the right thing my whole life. Here's what else I did. When I unpacked my life, I looked at anything that I did, even, even small things that could have justified why I was being punished. And man, you just got to let that shit go. Because it's not serving you. So... I'm sorry that that happened to your wife. I'm sorry about the miscarriage. Like my heart goes out to you. But at the same time, in this moment, be there for them, for her. And then understand later on, yeah. maybe two years from now, something comes from this and you're like, wow, had that not happened? And then, like I said before, sometimes it's just to say, I have had people that say I've been through a lot of adversity and when they unpack it, they realize that it's because they were attached to drugs, which led them to being around people that were in crime, which allowed them to be attached to people that are in human trafficking, which had one of their friends killed. I'm not saying that it's their fault per se, but if we unpack it and say, why are you doing things that put you in that position over and over again? That's the way I look at it. We're all gonna face adversity. And here's the other thing, brother. Adversity is not a competition, you know? Like there's people that are going to come up and they're going to hear your situation and they're still going to try to one up you about how bad it is, man. Those people love being victims. That's not who you are. No, that's not what you are. You're a husband. Yeah. You're there. You're going to take care of her. You guys are going to get through this. And I'm sorry that you're going through that. I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke up your ass and be like adversity is a gift and you should try to figure it out. Now we don't figure it out right now. We don't have to figure it out right now. What we have to do is be focused and win this fight. We can figure out the meaning later. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I appreciate it. You know, another thing, a trap that I kind of fall into is, you know, I got clean and sober uh, back in 2016 and due to my addiction to prescription medications, like I went through a lot of shit because of it, but it was, I always called it like self-inflicted adversity. It's like, yeah, I went through a lot of shit, but it's my fault. But since then I've gotten clean and sober, uh, continued to work with 12 steps. You know, I'm a productive member of society. I went back to school and got my MBA, got married, have two kids. Like I'm doing everything perfect. And like, sometimes I fall into that trap. It's like, why are these things happening to me? It's like, I'm not doing dumb shit no more. 
I don't have an answer for you, brother. I do have this, though. Imagine if you were still doing that dumb shit. Would you have that? Would you have the NBA? Would you have this? Probably not. So I, man, I don't have answers for why shit happens. I've had some people that try to reverse engineer it and, and justify it. Here's yeah. the thing too. When you're going through adversity, there is no answer that is ever going to be enough because you're still facing it because it still yeah. hurts because it's still difficult because it still sucks. That's the fact. But if you can say, you know what? I don't have any other choice. I have to get through this. I have to move forward. That's what we're doing. And you're a father. You're, you've got an MBA. You're doing all these incredible things. You're a great testament to your kids. Yeah. Your, your story's going to inspire them. Yeah. So when you're going through something like this, is there any actions you should take to like make the ultimate outcome better? Because, you know, you were saying like, well, you know, two years from now, you look back on this and you see what, you know, what benefit or whatever there is from it. But it's like, well, what can you do to make this increase, you know, or increase the chances that it'll have a positive result versus just a forever negative result? The real answer is we can't control the result, right? But you can control who the hell you are right now and every decision you make from here on out. The process, that's what we control, right? The, um, when I was in squad designated marksman school, that's what they prepare you for to, before you go to sniper school. I never went to sniper school, but I was doing everything correctly. But the windage by the target was going the other direction. It was going east to west. The target close to me, when I was close, I was throwing my dust. It was going west to east. And I was like, how the hell am I missing this thing? Like I'm at 600 meters. I should be right on. And the guy that was spotting for me on the glass, he was like, once that bullet leaves your weapon, you can't control it, but if I breathe and I get the right side picture and I slowly take out the slick and I'm press, pressing that trigger, that's all I can control. For you, taking care of that wife, taking care of those kids, taking care of you, man, do that. You do these small things and that's what leads to it. We're not building a wall. I want you to lay one brick perfectly to the best of your capacity and just focus on that and then do it again and do it again. And all of a sudden a wall starts forming. That's what I want you to focus on. 12 steps, one day at a time. If you have a power list, if you can say, these are the three things I have to get done today. If I do that, that moves the needle in my business. Yeah. Attack that thing. And if you can have those things down now, when I've got one thing done, it's like, okay, this is done. I move on to the next thing. Now I don't get myself distracted with social media, with a bunch of BS emails and conversations or internal dialogue that's not going to serve me. And we attack with the, that violence of action. This is going to be the hardest battle of your life. But guess what? You can absolutely take it. You can absolutely get through it. You have what it takes, but give everything you have. Don't hold back. Okay. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Oh. Mm. It's powerful. Spec, so, so tough, man. So tough. But I couldn't, I mean, I'm literally writing out just my own thoughts on these questions. And as I'm writing my own stuff out, it's like, 
I might as well have been typing this over to Marcus and just sending it over to, I mean, truly, you know, I mean, Drew, like being the guy that you need to right now, your focus is her, your focus is getting her better. It's not about anything else other than that right now. That's it. It's not about figuring any of that out right now. It's going to be a long tail game. You'll figure it out when you figure it out, just like you and I have had conversations about, Hey, now that I'm clean and sober, well, maybe I can go talk to some of these organizations and go talk to some like you you're you're finding purpose in it now seven years later right so it's going to be the same thing so you don't have to worry about that part you do exactly what marcus is saying you the only thing you can control right now is who the man is that leads his wife through this so that's it so you step in and you be that guy and that's that's your that's your focus that's your brick that's your brick is being that guy that is whatever she needs right now as she's going through it because it's a it sucks for both and it's a different level of suck for her so you're just that guy that she needs to be able to lean on on that you know and and as far as and what he was saying is just brilliant man as far as that adversity and why certain things happen it's also a matter of what you're assigning to those things too yeah right I mean, that's really it because you're asked, you can ask two guys who went through identical things. Have you been through a lot of adversity? One guy might be like, oh my God, I've been through so much. And the other guy might be like, not really. I've had it pretty easy. And they've gone through the exact same things because they just assigned something different to it too, you know? So if you start assigning those as opportunities, um, maybe even in hindsight, it just might change, you know, the trajectory of how you feel on it, man. But we're dude, lean into the, lean into this whole crew, man, because we're right right here with you, man. and god couldn't have been better could not have been more more wisdom right there um marcus when are you coming to visit me on the farm dude where where <laughs> remind me where you so remind me where you live because last time we last time we did uh, the show i know for a fact i lived in california because i can i can remember exactly where i was sitting when i was doing the show with you i'm in north carolina now where are where oh, are nice. you nice i'm in i'm in tulsa oklahoma okay so yeah, i'm right man. in the center so yeah we'll i'll get over there sometime i'd love yeah, that dude. That'd yeah, be amazing. I'm going to see if I can get my brother out here sooner rather than later, too. And I'll be driving across and, and we might if we go that route too through Oklahoma, I've gone a couple of different ways. Let me know. I have to stop by, man, because Jesus, um, I don't want to um, I, I don't want to take any more time, but I don't want to let you go without making sure we can point people to what you got going on. I know you have the the, the new book that is coming, but, um, you know, you're working on that now. But where can we send you? Let's tell them about the podcast and, and uh, how to find you everywhere you can be found. Did we get everything that we need? Do we have more questions? Anything else from you guys? I got, I'll give you 15 more minutes if you guys have stuff or either way. You're awesome, brother. Anything guys guys to win. Yeah. Mr. Penelo. I don't even have a question, man. I had a meeting at six 30. Um, I was supposed to leave and you, you kept me here and I told him I'd be an hour late and I'm, I'm, I'm speechless and Eric, man, like I, 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 I'm just moved, man. And everything, Marcus, he instantly got a fan. All I want to say is thank you. I don't even have a question. I'm speechless. Thank you, brother. It just put this stuff into play. That's what I want. You guys can follow me on social media, on Instagram and LinkedIn and buy the book and subscribe to the podcast. That that's great. But if you guys like, if I never even heard a peep from you, but you actually put this into play, man, that's, that's why I do this. That's why I do this. Um, the new, the Oxenon Verba book should be out later on this year. And then I'll be releasing apparel 
with octanon verba. For those of you that don't know, it means actions, not words. And that's why the podcast, like I'm sick of people that talk. I'm sick of people that come up with plans and then don't execute. And uh, the reality is you will not know if that plan works or not until you step out, mm. until you get out there. So the rest of it is just conjecture. I talk about being paralyzed. There's more people paralyzed now in, from inaction than has ever been in history. And the reality is that's the hard part, but that's what stops everybody. So true. So if you're willing to go out there and fall down, willing to go out there and get punched in the mouth, willing to not give a damn about what people around you are thinking. Here's the other part. Winston Churchill, when Winston Churchill, the quote, he says, when I was 20, I worried about what everybody thought. When I was 40, I stopped worrying about everybody thought. Then when I was 60, I realized nobody even thought about me in the first place. And right. like nobody, if you go out and fall down, somebody may watch it, but they're just going to keep going. Everybody's distracted today. It used to be an insult to say that you had the attention span of a goldfish, which is eight seconds. Now it's a compliment because most people cannot even maintain, <laughs> right? It's, so it's the truth. So, so go out and do your thing, like whatever it is, just go out and do that thing. I don't care what it is, whatever crazy thing you want to do, just go do it. Nobody's going to stop you. Nobody's going to care. And if somebody says something, man, those are just people that are afraid to actually act on their dreams, their realities. You're projecting onto them their limitations. So don't worry about that. Exactly right. The, 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 the people that make the most noise, like the loudest booze always come from the cheapest seats. Always remember that. They're not the man in the arena. They're never going to go out there. So true. Um, that on the it's, it's total sign, but on the apparel side, are you are you connected with Ryan? Yeah, what? Ryan Williams. Yeah, yeah, cool. Man. Yeah, and we're doing it all. Um, it's going to be made in the U.S. It's all that's what's taken a little bit longer to get, get it all marketed, like made yep. and sourced here. Yep. But um, you know, I did the four by four by forty eight to stop yep. human trafficking. Yep, I I do that for this. Stop Human Trafficking Coalition in Central Missouri. Yep. So I could get a lot of stuff from overseas and get it right now. It's like, it has to be American made. It has to be American sourced. It cannot be made with any sweatshop money. It, it has to be from here because if I'm believing in it, I, I can't, you know, I don't, it, oh, it's going to affect your market. I don't care. Um, that's, that's not awesome. what this is about. You know? That's it, man. Oh, so good. Ryan's, Ryan's a ninja. Um, oh yeah he's he's a badass he's amazing yes he's, he's a ninja especially in that field so yeah that's that's awesome man all right yeah, we got these last two guys you're, you're okay on time absolutely let's go you're, you're awesome man thank you rp how are you sir what's going on uh, thanks for being with us mr uh, anderson you know i actually have a nephew who's a uh, marcus aurelius so it's kind of cool to see another name amazing dude this. yeah my first that's nephew. Huge. Um, so I, I had to i don't know everybody's story in this call obviously it's impossible i don't know anybody else has been paralyzed and come back from it. But obviously we all have a story and we all have uh, different shares of adversity, right? My question for you is like, do you have any advice or any rules of thumb or adages about like having that indicator of if you're doing okay? You know, like after coming out of something and you're going through and living your life and you feel like it's behind you, you feel like you're, you're good. But then maybe somebody close to you calls you out and is like, you know, you, you, I think you should be a little bit more emotionally attached to this. Or I think maybe you're not as good as you think you might be. And, and it's not that like, you don't, you're not doing anything with an indicator or red flag, but something was so big and they look at you like, how are you okay? How do you know if you're okay? If that makes sense. 
Yeah. Um, the big thing is we don't want to emotionally bypass anything. We want to feel the experience and the emotion entirely. Um, lots of times people say, you know, you got to push it down. But in my experience, it just comes back up worse at the most inopportune times. It festers and it kind of explodes. So um, if you have been through something big, give yourself that space to really experience all of it. Don't try to suppress it, whether it be anger, whether it be fear. Most of the anger that we feel is actually fear that's underneath it. If somebody attacks my family, I'm angry, but it's because I'm afraid they're going to try to take them from me. That's where that comes from. Um, so if you feel like you've gotten through it, you, you probably have, but other people are projecting onto you kind of what they're experiencing too, like what they would have done in that situation. And then also we talk about indicators, right? My indicator is I go towards the adversity towards the thing that makes me need to level up. Like writing this book, it's tough. Like I, in my mind, I should have been done with this thing a long time ago. I started working on it during the pandemic, but I found what I was doing was I, okay, well, let's talk about internal narrative. So I've got this, the first book out and it's done well. And it's, you know, I'm getting this accolades and then I start getting in my own head. Oh, what's my voice? Oh, what are these people going to think? Oh, I've got an audience now. I need to write to them. No, you don't. I need to do the exact same thing that I did before, which is I need to get inside me. I need to bleed onto that page and let it go. So that's what I'm going back to doing. I've kind of deconstructed everything. I've gone back to that and that's put me there. And then trying to do these other things, it takes time, but those are excuses. There are so many people that are doing so much more than what I am and many people are simply because they are not afraid of continuing to move forward. They're not afraid to put more on their plate. You bite off more than you can chew and then you figure out how to chew it. Like that's, that's the answer. Yeah. Does, does that answer your question? No, it does. And I think just the, 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 the projection is a large part of it and to just trust yourself and work on that emotional intelligence um, and not give everybody you know, a say in that all the time, you know, it could just be projection and maybe they don't have all the details or maybe they're just, just need to just uh, go in one ear and out the other. But no, that, that is helpful. I appreciate you. It's, it's the truth, man. And understand like the people close to us that they, they want us to be okay. But I think people underestimate their own resilience. Like we're not made out of porcelain. We can fall down. We're okay. Yeah. And I've also found out that people that are uh, like afraid of failure, those are the ones that should be failing more often because that's what gives them the callous. That's what gives them the capacity. That's what gives them the bandwidth to take that hit and keep moving forward. When we get our ass kicked for the first time, it scares us. It doesn't really hurt us. It's just a surprise because up until that point, we thought that we the exception to adversity. We're not. Once we accept that, shit happens. Roger that. I'm tracking. Let's move forward. Mm. You got this, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Really good. From RP to CP. Christian. Yeah, so I want to echo all the other gentlemen. Uh, thank you for your time, sir. Thanks for thank sharing you. your wisdom, knowledge, and experience here. Um, so I was kind of reading the four steps that you had there that Matt put in the chat. And, um, you know, a handful in there, I think like the first three, talks about 
you know, doing things for, you know, the 12 months, finding the things that you like, you know, what would life be like if you had more of that? Are there any, you know, tactics, tips, tricks that you coach your clients on and kind of some things that you could leave with us on kind of how to track those things that move the needle? Um, you know, it's, it's easy to have that feeling in the moment, be like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. But it, it, is there ways to kind of track that? I mean, do you journal? Do you, do you have any recommendations on that and how to figure out what's filling up your cup and, you know, what you want more of? Yeah, usually, um, first of all, those four questions I gave you guys are journaling questions. So I have my CEOs do that once a quarter because it fits into quarterly evals and stuff like that. But it, it gives you a really good, honest assessment. Also, when you do it every quarter, when I say look at the 12 months, it makes you look at everything. So sometimes you can have like a really bad 12 months, but then you have a good quarter and all of a sudden those 12 months don't look so bad. Does that make sense? Yes. Sir. So, um, so doing those and then going back and journaling on them hard or meditating on them or praying on them or going for a run and having that kind of in your mind and let your subconscious chew on it. And now you get more depth. Now you get more breath of what's going on. Um, having said that about understanding what actually fills your cup, man, what I found is whatever gives me energy is what fills my cup. I'd be tired as hell, but if I, if my wife wants to go out to dinner, I will do that in a heartbeat. I can be tired as hell, but if my daughter needs me, I will drive all night. I can have a full workload, but if something happens to my family, I can go do that. If somebody needs me, I can put, get out this call and get on the phone right now. So look at those things that you, you will do anything for. Also think about those things that you just naturally kind of think about when you're not thinking about stuff you have to do. It could be reading, it could be writing, it could be journaling, it could be prayer, meditation, mantras, whatever it is. But those are usually the things that fill you. Like if I ask you right now, what fills you up? Yeah, and my thought process is that to me, it comes back to what you said earlier about if you woke up tomorrow paralyzed, what would matter? There it is. And and so that I, I, that's what kind of what I was sitting on. I've been thinking about that while we had this talk. So like you said, you know, wife, kids, um, not necessarily happy with my career at the moment. So that's why I was trying to dig a little deeper. There's, you know, figure out, you know, some of those avenues. I missed the part about you saying those are general questions, but as you mentioned, it makes sense that if you keep that depth of, you know, your thoughts and feelings over that year, you can kind of ride the wave and see where the ups are, where the downs are. And then you start to see the pattern, right? And you're like, I'm right right on par for the course, right? Because this is what happens. The other thing, like what you're saying is we think about these questions when we journal, but then we get these like places of lucidity quickly. Like you're getting out of the shower and all of a sudden something hits you. Um, You meditate and you're like, I'm going to be enlightened when I'm sitting down for 15 minutes, but that doesn't happen. But it gives you bandwidth to see something in an hour that you didn't, wouldn't have normally seen. That's where the enlightenment is. That's where you break through. That's where you find the thing that you forgot that you had. And we talk about filling your cup. This cup, okay? It's only so big, unless I get a bigger one. But what can I do? I can make the contents of this cup more concentrated. I can pour into this stuff, the quality stuff that makes everything that's inside me that much more concentrated, that much more powerful. 
So now when I pour into somebody, I don't have to pour the whole cup into them. I can just give them a drop. What does that do? I help more people. It's more real. And I'm able to keep this thing full up more often. That's what we do, man. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for that. Of course. I want you to win, brother. So, so dang good. So dang good. All right. Last but not least, Mr. Luke Carpenter. And that way we can uh, let Marcus do his thing and we'll do our debrief. Go ahead, sir. Lou, what's going on? Uh, it's good. It's good. Uh, super easy question. Way easy. Uh, my son, Benaya, 16. <laughs> he wants to get into uh, rescuing people out of human trafficking. Like, okay. this won't go away. It's been three years. Um, he's done three speeches over the last several years. Um, I think he's actually emailed you recently. He did email me. I, I tried to email him back, and for some reason, it's not letting me get back to him. I don't know if it's this new Gmail. I don't know what it's not letting me get back to him. But I'll tell you so you can tell him. Okay. So my question is, you don't know what you don't know. No. My son has no idea what he's asking. He has no idea what he's wanting to get into. Like, I don't either, but I'm smart enough to know it's bad. Right. And it's good. It, I mean, there's good to it. It's like, it's great, man. I'm like, when he brought, when he brought that up, I was like, shouldn't you, don't you want to be a Walmart greeter? I mean, that sounds like, you know, but, but this is a thing that just does not go away with him. And he's like dead set. It's like, as a dad, how do I navigate or I, I don't, I don't want to control. Right. I mean, that's no. not what we do. Like, how do you put the bumper pads up on the bowling lane so that he finds success, but he doesn't, again, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Yeah. Um, any, any advice as a dad that has a son, this biting off, <laughs> I think he can chew it. I think he can, but he just doesn't know what's coming. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and here's the other thing. Sometimes life builds in the bumper pads for us. Um, from the people that I've spoken to, um, a lot of these things are nonprofits, which means they're not going to be paying you or you're right. going to be volunteering or you're going to be getting very little money. And then if you volunteer for a nonprofit, they're going to say, okay, tell me about your work experience. What do you, what skills do you bring to the table? Yeah. Okay. And sometimes we don't, if you're just right out of high school, you don't have a lot. Yep. That's not a bad thing. What happens is now you can volunteer to be a part of whatever that is, but does that mean that you're necessarily going to be a person that's tracking down the bad guy or kicking doors? No, probably not. So for him, what we have to find out is, what is the drive? What is beneath that? Okay. What is it? Is it that he wants to help people? Is it that he wants to stop this from happening? Is it that he doesn't like to see people victimized? What is that? Yep. Find that. And then again, if he wants to go into law enforcement, or if he wants to go into a, a, an agency or whatever it is, that's fine. But some of those are going to want you to have college. So okay. I love yep. that he wants to do this, but um, the people that I know, like, they're not going to just give you a job and give you a, <laughs> yeah. a, a plate yeah. carrier and an M4 and say, okay, let's go out and find the bad guys. They're right. going to find people that are already good at that. And then they just pivoted from that profession into doing those things. But yep. if he volunteers to do it, maybe if he volunteers to help them, that alone can still help a lot. 
when I raised money for um, the Stop Human Trafficking Coalition in Central Missouri, I gave them money because I know that the people there know what to do with it. Okay. Yep. And everybody that works for them, most of them are are just there because they actually believe in the cause. But they're the ones that are helping those people. They're the ones that I raise ten thousand dollars and then I I match it on my with my own money. It's like I want to make the difference. But at the same time, it's a long haul. There's a lot of work involved. And we know, I mean, the movie that just came out, the sounds sound of freedom, like like this is not always a happy story, not always a happy ending. Um, but the fact that he wants to do something like this, that's a huge testament to you. Mm. What you've taught him is also a huge testament to him that he's willing or wants to go out there and fight the good fight. Mm -hmm. So does that answer your question? Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. If there's, like I said, um, if there's anything else, like I said, I don't know what happened with the email is, it makes me feel horrible. I can, no, no, and I can, uh, do I have Benaya? I'm sure I have Benaya's. I mean, we email all the time. We go through workplace more often than anything else, but I'm sure we, so I, we can, we can make sure that anything yeah, yeah. gets back over to you. That's easy. Yeah. Cause he, he emailed me, uh, Monday, late, late Sunday, early Monday. Yep. So. Yeah. He sent a, he sent a drafts like, Hey, I want to send this to Marcus. And what do you think? And like, send it. So yeah, send it. Let's find out. That was, that was, that was all him. Dad didn't help at all. <laughs> so. You got a good kid there. He's he's emailed me in the past. I he was I met him from the the previous one. So sure. yeah, yes, sir. Oh, so good, man. Yeah, I got some thoughts on on Benaya too, man. Luke, we'll we'll have to chat. Um, Marcus, brother, you, you we have a uh, you know we have the Apogee Code, and we have we have a standard you know that we hold, and it's for the young men, it's for the men. Um, and you are every bit and, ex, you know, ex, somebody who exemplifies that code and that standard and uh, the way you show up, the way you lead, the way you live, man. And, uh, super grateful, not just for your time here, but for who you are, for your friendship. Um, we are full, full support over here. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for building this. Like it, it doesn't matter if you're not building a, a community of guys that are doing this and want to do this and are consistent and committed and that's what it is so thank you honor honor is honor is completely on this side um i'll touch i'm gonna run these guys through i'll touch base with you um afterwards too obviously we'll promote and, and put everything out there man but we are we're fully on fully on your side man anytime all the time you got the number um anything you need man say the word same here brother appreciate thank you, you. Brother. thank you brother have now taken the step to becoming a great leader of tomorrow. Join the Apogee program by visiting www.apogeestrong.com. For inquiries, contact us 916-728-0606 or email matt at apogeestrong.com. Thank you for listening to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Stay tuned for more episodes. 
Boom. If you are enjoying this conversation, and I know I definitely did enjoy this conversation, um, then we're going to invite you to be a part of what we are doing with Apogee Strong. So we have got mentorship programs for men, for young men, for our ladies. Uh, And yes, we will have mentorship programs for the young ladies to come. But these are the types of conversations we have. These are the types of mentors we bring on. We have these types of conversations with these types of mentors every single week. So we invite you to become a part of what we're doing. Head to ApogeeStrong.com and check out the men's program, the women's program, the young man's program, and start getting on board with the mission of re-educating the entire family. That is how we win. That is how we get back to sovereignty. That is how we get back to freedom. And we are inviting you and your family to be a part of the conversation.